Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul's uh, or Mark's gospel is so rich. I mean, I have heard this story so many times and then on hearing it again, I am struck uh, by the way he tells the story and you see this connection between um, the man who needs healing dropped down in front of him, the, the sick, uh, and also the sin sick, right? The tax collectors and sinners uh, that he is with. But that's not what I was going to preach on, so we're going to go on to something else completely. God's word is so rich uh, that he always has something to say to us, no matter what we are dealing with. Uh, or what period of life we find ourselves in. Last week, uh, Pastor Pat uh, started off our series uh, by introducing this John the Baptist, this uh, voice in the wilderness declaring the way of Jesus. And he did this uh, very creative thing with the idea of Jesus being the hero of the story. And that's really a true way to understand how Mark is focusing our attention. Uh, in fact, we could expand that to all of Scripture uh, that if we are to understand any part of God's word rightly, we will understand it through the lens of who Jesus is, right? That all truth belongs to him. And uh, before we jump into today's text that we just heard, I want to kind of focus on a question for us, uh, the question of what lengths you would go to for someone else. What lengths would you go to for someone else? Now, I have to admit that unless my wife makes me, I do not watch whatever the latest romantic comedies are. Uh, but typically in a rom-com, as they describe these things, um, there's kind of a formula to how the, the couple uh, co- go through conflict and ultimately end up with each other. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I know like when Harry Met Sally is a classic uh, Sleepless in Seattle was kind of an early 90s one. Probably more recent uh, was like The Notebook, although I don't really know what it's about. Does anyone know any other classic romantic comedies that strike you? You can shout them out. All right, you guys are a Marvel crowd apparently with Pastor Pat last week. I don't know. Okay. But typically in these stories, uh, there are these kind of formulaic, almost boilerplate type storytelling that occurs, but usually there is this major climactic part of the story between these two lovers, right? Between uh, this guy and a girl, uh, where one or both of them make some major risk, take some major risk, go to some great length. You know, if you really love me, you will meet me at the top of the Empire State Building on this date. And we'll see. And if we both end up going there at the same date and time, we'll know that we were meant for each other. Uh, Or the guy will get up in front of a group of people at some other event and just gush all of his feelings out to her in front of everybody embarrassing himself. We know that now to the outsider, love makes you do stupid things. But to the one who loves, there's there's no end to the lengths that you would go. And this doesn't happen just in romance, although that is a pinnacle part that God has created into our experiences. It also happens in our families. You know, I was thinking about uh, my parents and the lengths they would go to for my sisters and I as we were growing up, or even to this day, really. And I, I was thinking about this because, you know, this last year we homeschooled our kids with all of the chaos of, 
of COVID and everything else. And so we discovered which uh, subjects our kids really love and which ones they fight us on consistently. And it reminded me of my own time in middle school. Uh, was, that was the first time in eighth grade where I really started to struggle with a subject. Any guesses as to what it was? Math is correct. It wasn't public speaking, although they didn't teach that in middle school anyway. Math, I could not, there was just a point at which, you know, everything seemed easy and very natural to me, and then all of a sudden, I just didn't get it, and I was frustrated by it. And I, my parents could tell I was getting kind of despondent about this and basically just having a bad attitude about school generally. And so my folks uh, hired a tutor for me. One of my friend's uh, dads was a math teacher, and so they paid him to tutor me, and they put extra effort into it. I remember my mom even going and visiting my uh, eighth-grade math teacher because she was kind of disappointed that he wasn't getting through to me in some way. And I imagine my mom probably has this kind of, you know, dramatic reenactment in her mind of how this conversation went with the guy. And I always just kind of imagine her like Michelle Pfeiffer with the chair backwards, you know, like in Dangerous Minds. I'm doing too many movie references. None of you guys know them. But I, she, she was talking to the teacher and the way she tells the story to me, I wasn't at this conference. She said, um, you know, she was talking to him. How can you get through to my son? We really want to help him to, to excel in this. And he said, hey, you know, I'm trying to do what I can, but I, I have to teach the curriculum. And then my mom, quite dramatically in her own mind at least, says, no, you don't need to teach the curriculum. You need to teach the children. You guys are supposed to like laugh at that, but whatever. You don't know my mom, so I laugh at her dramatics, but maybe you're thinking, yeah, she's right, tell him, right? But that's the lengths that my parents would go to for that. And maybe you can think of that in your own life and in your own experiences, either as a child or as a parent. The lengths that you would go to, they might seem kind of crazy or a little absurd. People might have some questions about it, but not to the one who loves. Not to the one who loves. Now, I know that this happens in romance. I know that it happens in family. And it also happens as God's people as we carry out the mission. There are many folks, uh, I know that there's a, a particular ministry historically with St. Michael's Healing Haiti that many people have been involved in. And there's probably other mission trips that some people have taken or just that long walk across the street to a neighbor in need. And the lengths that we will go to to share the love of Christ with others, what is it that compels us? So, and, and I remember uh, when we, um, I went uh, done a couple of mission trips over my years, and I remember one of the guys leading our team uh, to West Africa when we went was making the point that part of the, the reason why uh, missions can be effective is that when you travel a great distance, people sometimes are more willing to listen to what you have to say, right? So what are the lengths that we would go to to share this good news? Now, I make a point of the lengths that we go to, but really what is underneath it, what really matters most is the love that drives people, that compels us to go to such lengths. And sometimes to the outsider, to someone who's kind of looking at this from the outside, they might say, what is going on with that? Why are you doing that? But to the one who loves, you don't need to have any explanation, right? You'll go to any lengths to do it. Well, in our story today, there are some true friends who go to great lengths. You heard it right at the beginning of Mark chapter 2. Jesus is in a town, and he has obviously drawn some crowds by what he is teaching and by what he is doing. And 
uh, the word has gotten around to people, particularly these four men who have a, a dear friend who is paralyzed. And they clearly love this friend because they want to bring him to Jesus. They're willing to do what it takes to get to him. But obviously, they're not the only people who have heard about Jesus because when they arrive at the house where Jesus is, they find a massive crowd of people inside and outside of the house. And it's like, how are we going to get to him? Now, I, it's funny to me when I think about that scene of them coming up to this crowd of people because they could have been resigned. They could have said, eh, well, I guess, I guess today's not the day, buddy. Uh, well, maybe we'll try another time to see Jesus. I feel like that's probably what I would have done uh, because a few months ago when the, uh, the restrictions on things were starting to ease, I was like, you know, I'm going to go, I need to make a run to Ikea. And so you ever make a run to Ikea? That was my first problem. Okay, <laughs> they, they, they have a maze for you in there. But I was like, I'm going to go make a run to Ikea. So I started driving up uh, to it, and I saw cars just all the way out of the parking garage, out into the street, and I was like, nope, going home. I just gave up, <laughs> completely gave up. And the friends could have been that way with their dear friend who's paralyzed. They could have said, yeah, you know, it's too, too much. We, we, we can't get to him. Other people got here first. Maybe we'll have another shot at it. But they don't. They don't do that. The love that they have for their friend compels them to go to great lengths. And they are great lengths. They skirt right around the crowd that's there and they climb up onto the roof of this house and they dig a hole through the roof. Mind you, they haven't asked anyone's permission for this. And they drop their friend right down in front of Jesus. Now, a little creative license here. What are the other people thinking about this? If I was part of that crowd, let's just say I didn't give up on the Ikea thing and I've waited my turn and I'm, I'm like maybe right at the door frame to get in. I can hear Jesus. I can, I can see like half of his head around somebody. I'm ready to, to have my turn. And then I see some people just drop down right in front of me. My first thought is, hey, no cutting in line. You're not allowed to do that. What do you think the owner of the home thought about this? We're recent homeowners, thank God. And if someone starts digging a hole in my roof, I'm going to freak out. They're thinking, no cutting in line, no cutting through my roof, right? That's what's going on. There, there is ready-made judgment for the links that these men will go to. We take it for granted that they're doing this wonderful thing, but, but to the other people there, how wonderful do you think it looks? They're probably judging what is going on here. You cut in front of me and you're cutting through the roof. This is not fair. Now, what's the expectation for everybody? You can imagine that as this man is dropped right in front of Jesus, there is just kind of like you could hear a pin drop. Silence. What's going to happen? Is Jesus going to say, hey, you guys aren't allowed to cut in line. Well, we'll learn later that he says the first will be last and the last will be first. So we know that. But what are they expecting? Is he going to call him out? Is he going to heal the man? That is, after all, why he's there. That's why his friends brought him. That's why he's there. That's why a lot of other people are there. And so they're waiting to hear what Jesus says. And what does he say? Neither of those things. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. 
What? This is not what anybody is expecting out of him. Nobody is expecting Jesus to say these words. Now, as you read through Mark's, this, this account in Mark's gospel, it's very clear what Jesus wants us to know. He wants everybody there and everybody that will hear that story generations down the line. He wants all of us to know that he has authority over sin, over sickness, over death, over life. He is the ultimate authority. And so if you want restoration, Jesus is the one to give it. Whether it's forgiveness, whether it's restoration of body, whether it's resurrection, life, he is the one that has ultimate authority. And the crowd, of course, is having to come to terms with that. And to this day, the world tries to come to terms with that, that Jesus is the ultimate authority over all things. But you know what else he's doing in this story? When I think about the judgment that those friends are about to receive from that crowd for cutting in line and for cutting through the roof, Jesus has just transferred all of that judgment from them to himself. Notice what the religious leaders, the pious people say about Jesus. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? forgiving sins. Now the spotlight is completely on Jesus and not on them. He has transferred the judgment that is destined for them to himself. And that is Jesus's entire ministry. His entire project is to restore our lives and to transfer all judgment, deserved and undeserved, from us and to himself. And this is not the only time that Jesus is willing to go to great lengths because of his love. And it's also not the only time that the lengths he goes to uh, bring judgment from other people. In fact, you guys heard it in the reading today. Because right after this moment, Jesus goes out into the village and he finds this tax collector, Levi. This is a guy who is an enemy of people. He works, he works for the enemy, for the Roman Empire. He's certainly not a good person by anybody else's accounting. And Jesus says, you will be one of my disciples. Come and follow me. And then he goes and he eats with all of Levi's friends. One translation I read says, uh, the, the religious people are like, why is Jesus hanging out with these disreputable people? And this reminded me of a, a conversation I had a couple Saturdays back. <clears throat> I was doing a, filling in for a friend, doing a Bible class with some college kids. I can call them kids now. And uh, we were talking about, um, I, I don't know if you'll all be able to track with me on this, but we were talking about Justin Bieber, who's a famous singer, um, and about this guy named Lecrae, who is a Christian rapper, and all of our conversation was about whether Justin Bieber's kind of recent finding of faith is really legitimate, and this guy Lecrae, who wants to go like more mainstream rap instead of Christian rap, they feel like he's abandoning, and he's hanging out with the, the bad type of rappers, and all this kind of stuff, and I just couldn't help as we were having, the, the, as they were talking about this and trying to discern or judge, really, what the right thing was, I just kept thinking, what, what these people said about Jesus. He's eating with disreputable people. What is he doing? And Jesus is willing to go to great lengths, great lengths, to receive judgment from the world and from others 
because of his love. And it doesn't just happen here in Mark 2. We see all kinds of people struggling with the way that Jesus goes to great lengths. Just like we talk about with the romantic comedies or maybe you've seen the, the love and patience a parent has had for a difficult child or something else. You, you see that and you think, I don't know. That seems awfully extreme. Why, don't go, I wouldn't go to those lengths. We, we have this kind of judgment from the outside. And the same thing happens for Jesus. His family later on, just in the next chapter of Mark, is like, hey, chill out, Jesus. You're kind of freaking us out with all this stuff. Why don't you just come back home and you know, resume your regular life? And the the religious leaders, they get after him because he heals people in the wrong sort of way. We're all for healing and everything, but just don't do it on this day, okay? Even his disciples, as we see, don't understand what Jesus is about. And so when he displays the lengths that God is willing to go to in his love for us, they're often like, "Eh, I don't know, I'm not so sure. Even at the cross, you have people questioning the lengths Jesus will go to. If you are the Son of God, come down from there. See, oftentimes to the outsider, it doesn't make sense, but to the one who loves, it's all that matters. And Jesus is willing. We see it again and again, not just in the Gospels, but in our own lives, that Jesus is willing to go to great lengths for you and me because of his great love for you and me. Jesus' way seems crazy sometimes, and it often brings judgment upon him, and Jesus is willing to take it. St. Paul said it very succinctly for us. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block, foolishness to the world. We preach Christ crucified because he will go to any length for you, and his love for you is the reason for that. And when he does this, Jesus transfers all judgment to himself. All of the just and deserved judgment that God has for us in our sin is transferred from us to Christ on the cross. All of the judgment that you have received or that you will receive or that you give to other people in this world, Jesus is saying, nope, that's mine. I'll take that. All of it is transferred to himself. We are forgiven and set free. What lengths will we go to to share this good news? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.